You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. It is the hour of Rob Carson Show. It is live. Uh, we are live today. We'll be uh, recorded tomorrow. Uh, because it is technically, I guess, 4th of July weekend. Uh, it's just a bizarre, like, 4th of July weekend. You take Monday off, you come back. It's, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I hope you're having a great weekend. I've, uh, I've had the opportunity to <clears throat> enjoy uh, getting out and meeting people. Went to a car show yesterday. Saw some pretty, pretty cool vehicles and uh, got to talk to a lot of people there and, uh, and meet a lot of folks. Um, so uh, we have lovely weather where we are anyway. So hopefully it is where you are as well. Um, a lot of stuff happening uh, this weekend. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Lindsey Graham nearly booed off the stage at a, uh, at a very big Trump rally. Trump was uh, speaking to about 70, 50 to 75,000 people in South Carolina, which I believe, um, yeah, no other candidate ever has gotten this many people at one rally, but Donald Trump has done so many of these that it's just, you can't even, you don't even remember it after a while. It's just, oh, 100,000 people showed up, 50,000 people showed up, yawn. You know, meanwhile, at a, a, a Joe Biden rally, they got 20 un- mem- union members in a curtain. You know, you Kinda can weird. make mistakes on occasion. Even Lindsey down here, Senator Lindsey Graham, we love Senator Graham. We're going to act. We're going to Yeah, did not get a good reception there. I'm not sure if he exactly uh, thought that was going to happen, but here's Jim Gossett to sing about it as Lindsay. Thank you, South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> yes, my name is Lindsey Graham. <laughs> a rhino trader, that's what I am. That's why people boo him. When I show up, people say scram, they boo. Says it's too late, Lindsay. We don't trust you. Yeah, that went the door a long time ago. support I fame, but I'm another McCain. That's why they boo. Another Cheney. Yeah, that's why they. Why did I know that Lindsey Graham's falsetto would be better than most? And I just kind of had a feeling about that. <laughs> so, he did, man. I tell you what, if I had to go through that, at a, at, I would just say, now nah, you know what, I am, uh, I'm out of here. I'm just going to go ahead and let the president take over. But he went, went through six minutes of booing and never got any better. Never got any better. Uh, we've been talking about these, uh, these Supreme Court uh, uh, victories for conservatism that has the left uh, throwing a pit, uh, pissing a... Pitching a hissy fit, not pissing a hitchy fit. Uh, <laughs> and they've been going crazy. You got the left saying, oh, this is going to start a, a civil war. I'm like, okay, good luck with that civil war when the military is on the side of patriotic Americans and the rest of us have, oh, I don't know what, 500 million guns. Good luck with that civil war. Good luck with that, lefties. Just You don't even know how to load a damn gun. You don't even know which, which direction to point a damn gun. You don't even know what an assault weapon is. You don't know what a bump stock is. You don't know what a, a brace, a pistol brace is. So shut up. 
I like you're going to start a civil war over this. Okay, good luck with the civil war and your bike helmets. <laughs> Honestly, it's just, it's just so funny. Just so ridiculously stupid. Anyway, uh, it's kind of funny. So, Sonia Sotomayor, who is also uh, barely literate, I guess, um, uh, on the day when the liberal cause suffered many defeats in the hands of the U.S. Supreme Court, Sonia Sotomayor was also mocked and ridiculed over factually false claims she wrote in dissent. She was talking about the web designer, the graphic designer that uh, didn't want to be forced to do a gay wedding couple design, right? <clears throat> And any gay wedding uh, couple could have actually gone to, I don't know, one of the myriad millions of website designers to have something done. But this set a precedent that, you know, honestly, if it's religious convictions behind it, go somewhere else. It's not because I hate you. It's not because I'm trying to shut you down. It's not because I'm going to hurt you. These are my convictions, my religious convictions. And no, I won't do it. I won't do it. You can't make me do that. You can't compel me to do this. They're trying to compel speech in Michigan. If you don't use the right pronoun, they're going to throw you in jail, fine you up to $10 million. Good luck with that. Good luck with that, Michigan, because that ruling ain't going to be around very long. Sotomayor argued in her dissent that there was an atmosphere of hatred against LGBTQ people. No, there wasn't. Not at all. Not one little bit. Uh, the, the radical left stepped into America a while back and called us all racist and homophobic if we disagreed with the direction they wanted to take the country. Doesn't make us transphobic, doesn't make us homophobic, doesn't make us racist. We just disagree with you, idiots. Sotomayor, she said that, uh, that uh, she cited a horrific shooting that was later found out to be unrelated to gay hatred when she was trying to stick up for the, you know, uh, the uh, LGBTQ community against their violence against them. The, the uh, what is it, the trans genocide that isn't happening, by the way. You know why it isn't? Because there are no stories about it in the mainstream media at all. It's not happening. It's a giant lie. So a social system of discrimination created an environment in which LGBT people were unsafe, wrote Sotomayor. Uh, And then she referenced the Pulse Gay Nightclub Massacre, where 49 people were killed and over 50 people were injured by a gunman in Orlando. Problem is, the shooter only chose the nightclub because he thought they uh, didn't have as good a security as the other places he wanted to shoot up. So, there's that. And then, of course, everybody went after the, uh, the, uh, the Supreme Court justice because, of course, she was uninformed and uh, ignorant when she made her comments. And she didn't prove anything. Now, it's kind of, I saw this terrific interview, Michael Schellenberger. He is a liberal. And I saw him interviewed over the weekend. Um, I believe this is on CNN. I'll have to double check. But Michael Schellenberger, he is a liberal. He uh, is part of the group of journalists who were invited to check out the Twitter files and explode the fact that the government had been working with Twitter uh, so extensively to shut down free speech, among other things. And here is Michael Schellenberger talking about victim mentality, the transgender radical LGBTQ and what they want. I want you to listen to his words because this is a man who is a very left of center, Trump-hating lib. Pay attention to what he's saying about this this movement toward the radical LGBTQ and what's behind it. Yeah, it's really disturbing. I mean, I see parallels as well between the radical left's affirmation of gender dysphoria and the medical mistreatment of adolescents very similar to the affirmation of addiction and mental illness and the deprivation and medical mistreatment of people that we call homeless. 
And so what in places like Philadelphia, we're seeing as a kind of psychopathology on the left that's affirming a kind of um, illness and and medical mistreatment. And I think it's just kind of what you said, which is that there's sort of a cult of victimization and oh. of victimhood, oh. where victimhood is actually celebrated as a moral virtue rather than as something that people would overcome uh, to lead a better life. Well, and it's also a way to blame your victimhood for your own failings. There's that. Sean Duffy was also on this panel. This was Fox, I guess. Sean Duffy, and he talked about what this really is, uh, cultural Marxism, and it's true. Everything <clears throat> that I've been talking about when I say there's a Maoist, Stalinist, uh, uh, civil war in the country going on, there is. There is. Uh, but he calls it cultural Marxism, and, sh- and some have. Our kids evolve over the course of you know, their adolescence. They, even into young adulthood, they become new and different people as their views change and perspectives change. So you have to think that the left is going to target kids and say that that's gender-affirming care when we're going to actually mutilate their bodies, affect their, li- their, their, their reproductive lives forever is is unbelievable but i think this is something different i think this is cultural marxism this is intentional they're yes. using race and sex i told you it's not organic to divide america yes they used to use economics back in the old marxist handbooks now it's this new cultural marxism yep. and it's a way to take power and control away from people and i think mo- they come in they create division where there was no division and then when you disagree with they they call you an ist with some sort of an ism or a phobia that's the way they do it it's their modus operandi. Most Americans sit back and go, I can't believe this is happening in what used to be a free country. And they do it despite, I think, all of the outrage from Americans across the land. All right. Let's go to uh, Thomas. And I've heard Barbara is on the phone. Barbara, I want you to hold on because we're going to get you in the the beginning of the next break because it's substantive and I don't want to slight you in this break. I don't want to do that with Thomas either. So we got enough time for Thomas. Thomas, go right ahead, my friend. Your thoughts you wanted to talk, uh, talk about affirmative action. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I I didn't go to Harvard. I couldn't have gotten into Harvard because I never took the SAT. Okay, gotcha. but I was embraced by Delaware State, a historically black college, where they embraced me. You know, and I'm just as proud of my degrees from Delaware State, another uh, historically black college, Coppin State. Then I went to Hopkins. Gotcha. You know? So what I'm saying is that most black billionaires did not go to Harvard. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, uh, Thomas, don't, do you? Let me let me ask you. I, I don't know if you heard the beginning of the show. I talked about how it is the soft bigotry of low expectations to think that you have to lower the standards to get people of color into Harvard. That's what it really is. Don't don't you agree to some degree? It's worse than that. It's a slave complex. You have to have a white affirmation in order to feel successful. There is a lot of that, Thomas. There is a lot of that. Rather than pride in the accomplishments of of uh, the greatest people of color in world history in America, they look at America America as uh, as uh, institutionally racist. And then, Thomas, and you're, you're probably referring to the white Jesus complex. Uh, the white Jesus comes along, and you're supposed to look to white Jesus for your salvation. I think that slights all of the greatness that has ever been achieved in world history in the United States by people of color. Right. It, during slavery, it, they said get a, a good white man to give you an endorsement 
that's your key to success. I know. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this, uh, Thomas. What do you think about Baltimore with the state of uh, uh, Baltimore schools, uh, the inner city community? Do you, do you think we've hit rock bottom here, Thomas? Do you suppose maybe we're beginning to realize the 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 uh, incredible failure of the Democrat Party, particular for inner city people, and and maybe maybe we can maybe turn things around. To quote, to, to quote my grandmother, it's going to get worse because of the legalization of marijuana. Yeah, that isn't going to help. You know, and it's yeah. going to get worse. And when we, we, I, I, we, they say we can't read, they say we can't do mathematics, we, but now they're going to soak our brains in chemicals. I know. All right, Thomas, I appreciate the phone call. That's it, you know. They don't give a crap about kids when they're in uh, primary school. How's a kid going to get in Harvard if they don't do well in primary school and they graduate not knowing how to do math or be able to read and write? How about that? Honestly, it's all falderall. It's all nonsense. We're going to move on talk to Barbara in Baltimore coming up in a second. She was at the Trump South Carolina rally. She's going to give us some inside scoopage. That is on the way. This is the Rob Carson Show. The one thing the America-hating left and Democrats didn't expect. Unlike them, we don't hate America. We are finally putting America first. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is amazing. Uh, the mainstream media, big social media, the federal government has been going after Donald Trump for seven years. Seven years. Literally, Antifa was getting in line during Trump rallies in 2016. I remember this. So they were out to destroy Donald Trump early on, an organized effort. And yet, somehow between 50 and 75,000 people show up in a town in South Carolina this weekend and millions watch on Newsmax literally like one in the afternoon Eastern Standard Time. Barbara from Baltimore was there. I believe she's still in South Carolina and she's on the Newsmax hotline. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm sitting here parked on a big oak tree in my truck with the air conditioning on. Yes. I've got to call you, man. Because I'm still excited. I'm uh, now, still excited about going there. I, you yeah. know, just to be in that environment, Rob, was just unbelievable. So, yeah, they, so it's just, this little town, this little town in South Carolina, about 5,000 people live there. About fifty to 75,000 people showed up. Tell me about uh, how long were you in line? When did you get there? Uh, what was it like at the rally? Uh, I'd love to know more. Well, the rally was absolutely offbeat. I was I was on the line. I got on the line around nine o'clock in the morning, and I was mixed up really about the time because I thought it was going to be in the afternoon. I didn't realize it was one o'clock in the afternoon is yes. when that thing was going to start. At least when Donald Trump was going to come on because it started earlier than that. So I was on the line a long time, at least three four hours walking to get in and we did get in because they had two expedited lines if you didn't have bags you went and uh, you know one direction if you had bags then they had to go check check out your bags so and i got in and it was just phenomenal being around so many upbeat people in that and in that heat it was brutal the heat was brutal it was brutal but i made it through i even yep. had a, i had a bout of heat exhaustion uh, towards the end of Donald Trump's speech, and I was like so upset with myself because I mean I really I couldn't walk anymore. I had wow. I didn't drink enough water. I was not prepared for it, but it was great. Audrey Taylor Green was good. Um, when Lindsey Graham got booed off the stage, yes. that was 
amazing. I could not believe it. And people were shouting trade. I don't know if you could hear it. If you oh, yeah. It. They were calling him trader. And uh, if you were up close and personal, you heard some other things they were calling him, too. <laughs> I, and I was just so surprised at that um, yeah. because he's in South Carolina. But um, I, I met some people from the South Carolina GOP. They are serious. All of their literature has America first and Donald Trump on it, and they are not going to be satisfied until rhinos. If you're going to vote with the Democrats, then join that party. That's I'm going to tell you. That's how, they, that's how they're doing it. And yeah. so I joined their newsletter so I can get information. But the rally itself, I you know, the, the, the positive attitude of everyone there was amazing. And I was also amazed at how many black people were there and the vendors. The, the, the so many black vendors selling so much stuff there and uh, walking around with it. The, they had the, um, you know, the carts, and then they also had set up like a bazaar. But that town really came alive, and it's, the population is 3,300 people, somewhere wow. between 3,337. <laughs> so much business came to that area. People were selling parking spaces, and nobody minded. They had golf carts to get you to the rally and, you know, to get online, they had golf carts, you know, so you could park. And uh, they had golf carts coming back, too. You could walk back. But they had fireworks that night. They had live bands. Everything was built around that rally. They even have T-shirts that said I attended the rally. And of course, I had to get one of those. They were ready for this thing. Wow. I've never seen so many people in my life. Never seen you know, so and, and the thing life. is, Barbara, and, and you mentioned <clears throat> a lot of people of color there. They weren't all bummed out because uh, affirmative action to get in Harvard was voted down. <laughs> they, they, they love America as founded. Uh, and and I, I just think, Barbara, I think there's a great wakening up. And, and you are a person of color. You're a black person, Barbara. Have you, have you ever seen this sort of energy in the black community for a change from the status quo with regard to the Democrat Party as we're seeing right now? No, I have not. And, if, and I would encourage anyone to go on YouTube and see the message from Ice Cube. He has oh, yes. the Democrat Party. Yes. he is. It's just Ice Cube's message. He's done. Finished. Kaput. I'm telling you, it's time for people to understand something. And as far as affirmative action, I've got to say this. It needed to go. It was time to go. Merit. Hard work. And determination is how you want to get ahead, not because wow. of the color of your skin and excluding other people. So this was timely, and I'm so glad that it is gone because I did well in school. But early on, when I got jobs, I always wondered, was I being hired because I was black or because I was good? So now that's not something that needs to even be considered, and kids can get parents, get your children prepared to be successful because, oh, my gosh, at that rally – a whole bunch of Filipino people. I met Vietnamese people. It was just, it was something. That, that really, right. oh my God. That Barbara, was, we are, we are and always, we have and always have been a great American melting pot. The left just came in, decided to say we were intolerant, we're all racist, and we say, screw you. We're patriotic. We love the country. It's the greatest country ever in the history of mankind. And we are beginning, we are beginning a new American revolution to counter this nonsense. Barbara, God bless you. So good to hear from you. Going to take a break and come back. This, my friends, is The Rob Carson Show. are he and man. His adjectives are awesome and excellent. And his interjections are hell and yeah. 
It's the Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show. Joining, joining us on the Newsmax Hotline special guest Jennifer Kearns, host of All American Radio and iHeartRadio, an influencer, a pundit. I don't know what else she does for a living, but she's on the phone line. Hello, Jennifer. Good to hear from you again. How are you? Hey, good to see you. Good to talk with you. Uh, my yeah. pronouns are great American, as are yours. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, a lot of things uh, going on. What are you doing this weekend, first of all? In personal, you, you got the weekend off, obviously not today. Are you, are you, uh, are you working? Are you kind of half working? What, what are you doing while America is, uh, is uh, enjoying this Fourth of July weekend? You know, Rob, we are always working. You know, media yes. never sleeps, especially the other side. <laughs> yes. So I always feel like, you know, this is an information war that we're in. There are really no days off. I worked all weekend. Happy to do it. Working today. Working tomorrow on the 4th. Might step away watching fireworks tomorrow night. But uh, putting, you know, candidates on the air, you know, freedom-loving people on the air on, on all sorts of great uh, stations from Newsmax to Fox News, you name it, we do it. Well, and it's also a uh, a crazy year. You know, uh, 2024 is an election cycle like we've never seen before. Uh, Donald Trump was out this weekend. He was speaking in uh, Pickens, uh, South Carolina, uh, to a crowd of anywhere between 50 and 75,000 people, still unheard of with regard to any candidate in recent history. Uh, something curious happened, though. You saw uh, Lindsey Graham got a very poor reception. What are your What are your thoughts on, uh, on Lindsey Graham? Because it, it sounds like to me that Trump doesn't understand that he's really another Mitch McConnell. At least that's how way he's per- being perceived by the, by the people of South Carolina. What sort of message are they sending to Donald Trump about Lindsey Graham? Well, look, Lindsey's one of those people that I think has tried to ride the, that middle line, right, on a lot of things. He sees where the popularity has been for Donald Trump, and he tries to, you know, get on board to those, you know, like the Herschel Walker campaign and, and other issues. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Lindsey Graham's been in office an awfully long time. He's been up there with Mitch McConnell on the Hill, and that does have an impact on people after a while, right? Because we know that the rules on Capitol Hill are that you have to get along to go along and all that stuff. And uh, that is some of what Lindsey Graham does. I think people are most unhappy with, you know, his most recent siding with members of the swamp in the U.S. Senate. And look, some of this has also trickled down from the base's disappointment with Mitch McConnell that they don't even sign on to some of the stuff Kevin McCarthy's doing. And, you know, I, I love Kevin McCarthy. I came up with him in, in California, but a lot of the base still doesn't trust him. A lot of the Lauren Boebert fans still don't trust him. So, look, I think the base and, and Trump supporters see, hey, if you can't even, you know, sign on to something that Kevin McCarthy's passing, you're a rhino. You're, you're somebody yeah. that's a friend of Mitch on the Hill. Yeah, I don't see. Um, I, I'm not sure, so sure he's going to be able to regain that. I mean, Donald Trump was on stage, literally trying to say, "Hey, he's there when we need us." <laughs> you know, like the American people are going, "Oh, okay." Then he just screws us the other times. I, mean, I thought it was laughable. That's a good I mean, way to put it. That's a good I way swear, to put it. that's what he said. He said, "He's there when we need us." <laughs> it just looked really. That's what. That's the selling point. Okay, whatever. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I made the comparison of Donald Trump as Jason Voorhees. Uh, you know, no matter how many times. 
times the left tries to kill him, he keeps reaching his hand out of the dirt to raise havoc. And that's what happened with these three Supreme Court decisions last week. They had Trump written all over them. I think a lot of people forgot, oh yeah, this is what happens when a president does what he says he's going to do. And he got Roe v. Wade last year, and then boom, 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 these three massive home runs for civil liberties and uh, common sense. And the left's going nuts since then. What are your thoughts on what happened last week? Well, look, this is why they say, you know, elections have consequences. I always hate that phrase because, like, it's one of those phrases, like, it is what it is. But but it's true. Electing Donald Trump gave us a very conservative Supreme Court, a very, I call it, common sense Supreme Court, uh, you know, that said, hey, we don't have to have some government rigged, uh, you know, affirmative action program. We believe that black Americans can succeed just like everybody else's kids. And, and I think that was the right thing to do from the Supreme Court. And look, at, you know, it, it, it makes a great argument for Trump. Um, if you look at some of the other Supreme Court justices, uh, people like John Roberts, who screwed us over, you know, calling Obamacare a tax. Um, Trump has a really good record of putting in some conservative uh, Supreme Court justices, associate justices, technically. Um, so this this does make a great case for Trump's re-election, right? With all the people kind of hand wringing and saying, you know, oh, Trump can't hold office again because he's a wild card, he's reckless. Well, he wasn't so reckless that he didn't put some really strong-minded constitutionalists on the Supreme Court bench. That counts for something, and that that right there, Rob is why you see the religious right, the faith and family, you know, freedom folks always get behind Trump because they know that he is a solid vote for the Supreme Court. Well, be, and, you know, freedom-minded. And Jennifer, I think people are at the uh, uh, the end of their fuse with regard to demonization of half of the country. Last year, Joe Biden stood in front of Independence Hall, a, a building that we all claim uh, as our history, and he called half of the country MAGA fascists and enemies of democracy. And uh, and we've kind of had to suffer through this for a, a very long time. And I, and I have a feeling that the American people are seeing through all of this, uh, are seeing through all of this and realizing um, that they're being played to some degree by the by the government that that maybe you know we're being pit against one and each one another and and what we're beginning to sense i believe is uh that there are a good deal of, of people in america who are democrat and republican who see the malfeasance in washington dc who's who who literally now see that affirmative action going out the window and say well yeah it's about time and and i think those two groups of people those two desperate groups are disparate groups democrats Republicans um, at least can come together on the country being great, um, and and so I I think that uh, I think we're seeing a lot of things come to a head here, uh, and I think I, I feel I feel I'm beginning to feel more optimistic for the for the country now that people are, the, the Supreme Court rulings and now just the general feeling of the population seventy two percent say we're not going in the right direction uh, you know sixty six percent believe if Joe Biden was reelected it would be disastrous. Uh, and, and I just I, I it kind of seems to me like the tables are beginning to turn a little bit against the radical left and what they've done to the country. I think so. And I hope so. Uh, I certainly think that parents are seeing, you know, all of these, you know, pride parades where, you know, they're not just celebrating their own independence, which good for them, but they're actually, you know, chanting, hey, we're here, we're queer, we're going for your children. That has been a real eye opener <laughs> to parents across the country. And I think 
that alone will motivate uh, a good portion of reasonable-minded Democrats to either vote for a Republican or at least stay home, right, and not vote for Biden or whoever uh, the eventual nominee will be. But I do think that the left is going to take and run with it. They're, they're going to, of course, run with Dobbs again. They're going to run with the affirmative action case to black Americans and say, look, these conservatives don't care about you. They're going to run with all these Supreme Court decisions, and they'll use that to try to motivate their voters. And so that is something that we really look at in polling is not just, you know, kind of people's moods and attitudes, you know, are you better off than you were four years ago. Now it's what is the voter intensity, right? It's what does the issue mean to the voter? What's going to make them get off of their buns and go to the polls? Those things tend to have a greater voter intensity for the left. And so I'm really looking at how the Dobbs uh, decision is going to still impact the 2024 race. Same with the affirmative action. So I love all those rulings, but then the political consultant inside of me says, ugh. That's going to hurt us. No, We're going to have to work hard. I know, but Jennifer, I'm telling you that those are those are um, uh, thoughts that we always think when these things happen. But I'm telling you, I believe the tables are turning. I mean, you're looking at these decisions. What's the left going to do? You're anti-woman because you don't support abortion till birth. You are anti-black because you don't affor- uh, uh, you know you don't uh, affirm uh, being led into uh, you know universities because of your skin color. Uh, these have been done before, but then you've got to look at uh, you know Joe Biden uh, and literally campaigning on Bidenomics, even though everybody knows Bidenomics is a failure. And, and the reason why it'll cut through is because they know it's not because they're living it. Same goes with uh, with regard to um, the inner cities in this country. If you call Republicans racist, the people are beginning to say, oh, really? Well, what the hell have Democrats done? So I don't think it's going to be as damaging as you think. I think that as far as Roe v. Wade, they're going to they're gonna do everything they can to hammer home Republicans are anti-women about abortion and Roe v. Wade. They're, they're there's really not much we're going to be doing about that, but I do believe we've made some real headway on the other fronts that we normally are terrified being called uh, an ist with an obia, you know, with a phobia. Uh, I don't think they're going to ring us through this election cycle. Good, good. I hope not. I hope that things like the shooting at the Baltimore House Party oh, dear Lord. Shows, shows people, right, exactly what's happened in Joe Biden's America when we defund the police and, and we're not watching these young kids' backs. I hope that Every parent, and we're already seeing in the polls, right, about 65% of minority parents, especially black parents, want the police back in their neighborhood. Um, but in places like Baltimore, Chicago, New York City, it's not happening because they don't want a police presence you know, at the political level. And so the police are being pulled back. And what happens is kids get out of control. They've got guns they shouldn't be having. And, and Biden talking about, you know, stricter law enforcement. That doesn't help because these kids are getting guns from a multitude of other ways. They, they aren't going through the legal process. So all of that, yes, I, I hope shows that, you know, Republicans would like to send a love letter to those communities and say, hey, we had your backs when we had the police fully funded and we had all the resources capable to leverage those for your kids. I think that is going to be also something that parents can uh, go yeah. to the cold for. We're talking to Jennifer Kearns, the host of All American Radio and iHeartRadio, and um, uh, it, it's, uh, it, I, I think that it's going to start resonating with people of color that the Democrat Party uh, uh, don't care. I, I said this weekend, you know, 70 people and essentially all people of color in Baltimore and Chicago were shot, five of them dead, many of them critically wounded, but I said, Michelle and Barack Obama, don't worry about it. None of them planned on going to Harvard. 
And and really, when you think about that, Jennifer, and I said this as soon as I heard this this decision coming down uh, last week, I said, good, maybe instead of waiting until Harvard to change uh, a person's life, how about you start with primary school in inner cities like Baltimore and Chicago? Because honestly, it means nothing when it comes to the select few trying to get into Harvard versus all who are left behind in Democrat-run cities. Yep, absolutely. And, and this is why candidates like Larry Elder are out there talking. Uh, you know, he's a great friend of Trump. But he's running to to talk about the epidemic of, uh, you know, fatherlessness in homes, um, you know, where 85 percent of black American kids now are living in a home that, that not just doesn't have a father in it. Cause there are plenty of white kids, too, that have divorced parents, but but literally has no father at all in the life to influence them. And, and that affects everything from their literacy to their learning and so on and so forth. And, and you're right. Here, here's Larry, who's a, a conservative, you know, died in a wool over 30 years. He spent 30,000 hours on radio talking about this. And, and you're right. Where are Barack and Michelle Obama? Oh, wait, they're in Martha's Vineyard enjoying their 20,000 square foot house that's polluting the country. And uh, they could probably care less about those kids. It's it's remarkable, and and I think that's cutting through. I really, really do, Jennifer. And and uh, you know, I, my father left when I was seven, and uh, and I remember he never looked back. We never heard from him again. And I can attest to how incredibly difficult. And sometimes you don't. It's a it's a punchline, but it's not when when it, particularly a young. I can only speak from the uh, the uh, perspective of, of a young man. But when someone who loves you as dearly as you think a father should chooses to have nothing to do with you, it bleeps up your life forever, Jennifer. I know this. It drove my brother to an early grave when our dad left. He died at 34, drug addicted, kicked out of the military, all of that. And I and I had to work past it. So uh, I think all of these things are cutting through. And I think the Democrats are on there. I really, I just think that their their welcome is wear, wearing thin. Uh, as Trump said in the last electoral cycle, he says, what do you got to lose? And things only got worse and they only lost more. Mm-hmm, indeed. Sorry. Well, I'll, I'll end on a lighter note uh, in the famous uh, Seinfeld episode where George Costanza goes, I wish my parents were divorced. I'm the product of my parents staying together. <laughs> All right, Jennifer, Jennifer, have a glorious weekend. uh, And where can people find you on the interweb? They can uh, go to allamericanradio.com. We've got uh, past episodes, the whole archive up there. And uh, connect with me on social media at allamericanjen. All right, Jen, have a glorious rest of your weekend, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Rob. Happy 4th. All right, it's the Rob Carson Show. For all those who are sick and tired of people moving to D.C. and spending their entire lives telling us how to live ours, it's the Rob Carson Show. So the Pentagon uh, unveiled, and I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing, a uh, Afghanistan report on Friday before a uh, before a holiday weekend, which is a slight uh, slap in the face. The withdrawal was a slap in the face to everybody who served in Afghanistan or Iraq who answered the call uh, after 9-11, and uh, many people lost limbs, lost their sanity, uh, lost their sons and daughters, and uh, Joe Biden uh, made a, a crass political move that everybody knew was going to be a mistake. But, of course, Friday they, uh, they released a report. Nobody's going to forget about this. The people who have experienced 
so much pain. The uh, the soldiers who now have uh, service dogs to keep them from, you know, uh, calling the suicide hotline, uh, you know, or getting a, a, a track wheelchair so they can get to what's left of their life uh, after being severely injured. But none of that matters to Joe Biden because he's a tool. Uh, that said, Kylie Atwood was on, uh, uh, sh- uh, she's a CNN national security correspondent on uh, CNN talking about what uh, what happened, the report on Friday, and what uh, and why they waited until then. Uh, it notes that some officials questioned the decision-making leading up to this. It notes that uh, handing over Bagram Air Base uh, basically funneled everybody trying to leave the country to Hong Kong, to, rather to Hamid Karzai International Airport. It was a Charlie Foxtrot. Listing throughout a number of failures in the preparation. Oh. What's clear as you read through this report is that there wasn't great organization or delineation of responsibility in this building at the State Department. One of the things that they point out is that there wasn't someone on the seventh floor here in the building dealing with crisis management for this. And the seventh floor is where the Secretary of State sits. There also wasn't a task force that was set up early enough to bring folks to the table to discuss what could be these crisis. The definition of a Charlie Foxtrot. More from Kylie Atwood. What the report says is that situation displays how dangerous the situation actually was on the ground. What it doesn't do is dig into any decisions that were made in this department that could have potentially prevented that. Because they never hold anybody in Washington, D.C. responsible for anything, even when people die. Terrorist attack, as you said, killing 13 American service members and more than 150 Afghans. anything that this department could have done to prevent that from occurring. I think you'll hear folks in this building. Nobody held responsible. Probably point the finger at the intelligence community or at the Department of Defense uh, regarding decision-making surrounding that. But it does paint a picture of a very, very uh, tenuous situation at the airport, which, of course, created the environment that allowed that ISIS attack to actually happen. And why, of course, did they release the report on Friday? Uh, We also should note the timing of the release of this report is significant. It's a Friday afternoon before a long holiday weekend. Uh, Kylie, what are your sources in uh, the State Department saying about the findings of this report? This report not only is rolled out on a Friday before a holiday weekend, but it's also being rolled out more than a year after the report itself was concluded. Uh, So Hmm. they've, you know, waited more than more than a year to roll out these findings. They're waiting until a Friday before Fourth of July. Uh, What the senior State Department. This is how much they respect they have for your sacrifice. Said on that call is that they weren't going to get in to process-related questions, but clearly... Hey, a-holes. People died, okay? You screwed up. A lot of people died, including 13 Americans. In this building, uh, see that timing, and they're concerned about them trying to, you know, really hide the fact that... Yeah, you can't hide. You can run, but you can't hide. It'll all catch up. Let's take a break and come back. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. On the World Wide Web, this is The Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show. It's a Monday edition. I hope you are having a glorious 4th of July weekend. If you have the weekend off, uh, kudos to you if you're working. Like uh, many of us, well, kudos to you as well. I hope it's uh, I hope it's going well. And I will do my level best for the next half hour or so. Hour. No, I'll do the entire hour. What the hell? Uh, 
I will make it very, uh, very entertaining as, as much as I can. And, uh, of course, tomorrow is the 4th of July. I live in a state where fireworks are illegal. Uh, and you can go to the uh, you can go to the grocery store and get your little snapping pops and those little uh, those little uh, round uh, uh, pieces of paper. They look like a little sperm. You know what I'm talking about? Those little snapping pops. They look like a little sperm. They do like a little cartoon sperm. And you just throw it and it goes beep, right there on the floor and it leaves some residue that you step on in your bare feet later. Uh, I don't bother with that stuff. I don't do party poppers. I don't do the snapping pops and all that. If I'm going to do something, I mean, if I would, and I'm not saying that I would go to a fireworks uh, stand outside of the city limit. Uh, I would never consider doing that, even though my wife is out of town over the weekend until tomorrow. I would never even think about doing that. Or maybe I already have. I don't know what it is about fireworks, honestly. Uh, I figure, I don't know, is fireworks any worse than going to Vegas? Because honestly, your money goes up in flames about as quickly. Honestly. There was one time we were in Vegas, my wife and I were playing blackjack. I got up, went to the bathroom, came back. She lost $100 before she got the drinks and i'm like okay fine then complain about the fireworks you just gotta blow up just burning money oh really okay sure whatever so i like fire i like fireworks i just i love them i don't know what it is there's something about fire i've always loved fireworks i've been a pyro uh, never. Well, I'm not going to get into it uh, i had a i had a, a, an accidental fire that i set fire of when i was a kid should i tell them the story I actually burnt down our chicken house when I was a kid. I was playing with matches, and I burned down the chicken house. And I know that you're thinking, oh, well, you know, that sounds pretty podunk and pretty, uh, you know, a country bumpkin and Rob Carson. Well, as a kid, grew up on a farm, and I was playing with matches. I, I burned down the chicken house by accident. Problem was, there were a bunch of chicken, like hundreds of chickens in it. So the chickens died, and then parked beside the chicken house was my dad's 57 Chevy, which didn't have a transmission, and then the second, by that one, there's his 63 Nova. Which also burned. So, yeah, I, uh, not a good history with fire. But I still like playing with fireworks, you know, whatever. That was, ooh, that was tough. It was really funny because I, I lied about it for years. I lied about it with my parents. I, I was ashamed. It was just brutal. I, I, I kept that with me forever. I was like, oh, my God, I, I killed the chickens and this and that and this. And so finally, literally about 25 years later, I'm in, uh, seeing my mom and the family's gathered around here. And we're all, and I finally get up the strength at around Christmas time to, to, to bring up the fact that I burned down the chicken house, right? I know this is really weird. I'm telling you this, but I think it's kind of interesting. Because I, I have an unorthodox uh, history uh, growing up. And so we're sitting around here, and finally I'm like, Mom, yes, son, I just wanted to tell you that when I was in third grade, yeah, yes, son, I was out playing with matches. <laughs> yes, son, yes, son. And I burned down the chicken house. <laughs> Mom goes, yeah, we all figured you did because you like to play with fire when you were a kid. We just figured you did it. That really happened. My wife was there. She was like, oh, my God, that's funny. That's it. <laughs> Back to the original thought. It's the 4th of July weekend. <laughs> I got derailed like a, like a car carrying toxic chemicals through a small Republican-run town. So uh, Planned Parenthood has claimed that the notion of virginity stems from harmful patriarchal mindsets. Well, I had that patriarchal mindset well into college, I'll just tell you that right now. I have that patriarchal mindset. Uh, anyway, the idea of virginity comes from an... 
an outdated, let's be real, patriotic, patri, pa- patriarchal, I should say, way of thinking that hurts everyone, according to Planned Parenthood. Virginity is a social construct. <laughs> really? <clears throat> I, I, how do I make this into an analogy? Hold on a second. So virginity is something that uh, you is a label that you have when you haven't done something. Right? So, uh, for lack of a better analogy, uh, once your store has a grand opening, you can never do a grand opening again. You can do a grand reopening, but it's not going to be the grand opening because the grand opening has already happened. <laughs> That's the best analogy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so people are all uh, on uh, on Planned Parenthood about this idiotic tweet because they're a bunch of idiots. Planned Parenthood profits from sex, so this makes complete sense. Mary Margaret Olahan of uh, the Daily Signal tweeted, uh, wait to have sex before marriage hurts everyone, says the industry that profits off promiscuity and murdering innocent babies. <laughs> there we go. Here's another one. Teenage virgins are bad for Planned Parenthood baby killing business. There's that. You probably don't see a lot of uh, Planned Parenthood displays at uh, at Star Trek conventions. I'm just saying, it's just not even necessary. Uh, teenage virgins. Uh, the the only reason Planned Parenthood is still anti-virginity is because virgins put them out of business. <laughs> Somebody else tweeted. <laughs> By the way, Planned Parenthood uh, did uh, did uh, endorse Joe Biden for president this election cycle because they make a lot of money from the government. You know, you like to think that your tax money doesn't go there, but they're already well past that. They're well, they're paying for abortion left and right. They are the gen- the military is saying they'll fly women to get an abortion and everything. It's just uh, it's kind of crazy. Uh, and then, of course, in addition to promoting abortion, Planned Parenthood also pushes uh, leftist gender ideology. When it comes to your abortion, any reason is the right reason, Planned Parenthood claimed in a tweet last month. Any reason is the right reason. Wow. Wow. That's pretty sick. The tweet linked to a video where an organiza- or individual who received so-called gender-affirming care from the organization said that having an abortion was one of the best decisions she ever made before she came a- became a he. You and only you know how to feel about your gender identity. And you get to decide what identity fits you best. It's perfectly normal if that feeling and identity changes day to day. No, that's not normal. That's the opposite of normal. When your gender identity changes day to day, that's abnormal. Abnormal. Uh, Marty Feldman would never want to take your brain intentionally to him to put it in, in, a, in another in a, in a Frankenstein monster. Anyway, so yeah, day to day over time. So don't limit yourself to one gender if it doesn't feel right. That's uh, that's the textbook um, uh, uh, analogy. That's the textbook um, definition of insanity, wouldn't you say? Oh, and Michael Schellenberg. I, I referred to Michael Schellenberger last uh, hour, and we had a, a guest, uh, Jennifer Kearns, on. But Michael Schellenberger was speaking, and I believe this was on CNN, uh, and he had this brilliant thing to say about uh, wokeism, about this transgender nonsense. And I saved this quote, because I, and I honestly, I needed to play this today, because this is a very, very, very left-of-center liberal talking about this mania that has infected the country with regard to uh, this transgender nonsense, among other things. And I do call it nonsense because it's exactly what it is. And if you want to debate me on it, you can call. Please feel free. 800-922-6680. I will debate you for sure. But here is Michael Schellenberger. Well, that's right, because wokeism is a religion and it's also psychopathological. And so 
What you see is a demand that we obey a new external authority, namely ah. on climate change. Ah. You see the demand for a new moral authority on race, where we have some idea that there we would um, uh, have a moral order based on who was most victimized historically by race. It's a very racist uh, system. And then it's Karen. And on the trans issue, this idea that we are gods who can remake our bodies. Wow. And change our sex this in is, order to... This is a liberal. This guy is left, left, left of center. Listen to that. ...align with a kind of gendered soul. I think what you see with those three issues is a sort of complete psychopathological woke religion that has really taken hold of people, in part because they they have abandoned traditional religions. And That's true. That's amazing. Now, what do I call when a man says he's become a whim, woman so he can compete with them and get into their locker rooms. What do I call that? Psychosexual assault. It's psychosexual assault. Now listen again to what uh, Michael Schellenberger said about this movement. In order to align with a kind of gendered soul, I think what you see with those three issues is a sort of complete psychopathological woke religion that boom 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 it has really taken hold of people in part because they they have abandoned traditional religions and also abandoned some enlightenment uh views a traditional enlightenment liberalism so i think it's a very dangerous time um these are the same people that are demanding that we be censored they yes. are waging disinformation right. campaigns yes. to make us Try to try to make the American people hate each Afraid. other when, in fact, yes, our support for religious, mm -hmm. racial and sexual differences is higher than ever. Yeah. And it always has been, by the way. Uh, do we have uh, a lot of racism in our past? Absolutely. But there's no other country in the world like America. There's no other country in the world where Italians and Chinese and Pakistanis and uh, and Persians and Iraqis and people from Chad and Namibia all come together. I know for literally for 30 years I've been t I've been talking to them. I've been gathering intelligence every time I get the opportunity to meet someone who's left another country and come here to the United States. I always ask why. I'm always curious about it, and I've always been inspired by these stories. And those stories are the same. They still are. It's just you have people in Washington, D.C. who are trying to make it like America has always been evil. I hate to tell you this, and I use this analogy. You ever look at the Chinese Olympic team? What is the one thing about the Chinese Olympic team? They're all Chinese. Uh, what about, let's go ahead and say the, uh, the uh, uh, Korean, even North or South Korean teams. Yeah, they're all either North or South Korean. Uh, you know, when you go to, like, uh, Namibia, the Namibian Olympic team, they've got, like, three people. They're all Namibians. It's kind of weird that way, right? But there's only one country on the world that is as diverse as the United States of America. And we were making, we, we had greatness of all colors, uh, even back when Hitler was the chancellor of Germany. And we rubbed his lousy stinking racism in his face. And that was 80 plus years ago. All right, so get off the United States. Stop hating. See, this is the great thing. The left's Marxist Maoist, Stalinist attempt to take over is failing. And one of the reasons being is the words getting out, no matter how hard they try to censor everything, they can't get us to think the way they want us to think. Because it only works in third world dictatorships like Cuba. It worked for a while in the Soviet Union. It's working now in China. But who the hell knows? Ultimately, the, the, the reality gets out.
the abuses and usurpations get out and things get turned around. Now, coming up, uh, Representative Harriet Hegman, who destroyed Liz Cheney to become her a member of Congress, beat Liz Cheney by 40 points, destroyed Liz Cheney's career in politics. It's over. Liz Cheney will never be in any position nationally ever again with regard unless she's a, like a member of a, a party uh, 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 maybe a pack but but she, she's done but anyway Harriet Hegman had some brilliant things to say over the weekend on America right now with uh, Tom Basile on Newsmax particularly about how badly our government abused the first amendment this is huge and it's coming up next this is the Rob Carson show there's only one Rob Carson on the radio. Oh, thank God. It's the Rob Carson Show. <laughs> oh, that is just... <laughs> Brian? Oh, Brian. Okay, okay. Kill the chickens. Well, I guess I did. That's Brian, my producer at WCBM, making fun of me because I uh, I set fire to the chicken house when I was a kid. And it was something that I carried with me uh, for decades. I mean, it was, it was brutal. I'm this little kid. I'm playing with fire. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I look out, and there are flames above the, the you know, chicken coop. Mom calls the fire department. I go out with a hose, realize, I mean, it's over. I remember the day like it was nobody's business. I run out the hose. It was so hot, you couldn't get close. So all the chickens, you know, barbecued inside there. And I, and I just, this is, that's, that's like one of the high points of the childhood. You have no idea. I don't think you want to go down this road. If you, I'm going to have to write a book about it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. <clears throat> I think there are a couple that, you know, you can serve as an example to people or you can serve as a warning in your life. <laughs> My life is a warning <laughs> to the rest of you. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice, Brian. Thanks for the sensitivity there. Thanks for it. You want to make fun of do a, do a bumper next hour about me being bullied in childhood? How do you, you think that's funny there, Brian? I'm just kidding. That was really good, actually. <laughs> so, um, you remember when I uh, started talking about I don't know, remember I started talking about uh, ivermectin and uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I, I was seeing studies coming out of Australia and things like that showed it really were effective. And I, I, I learned more about it. And then I all of a sudden I, I was wondering why the federal government, why big social media immediately ceased all discussion about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And I realized doing my own research that the reason being is that it's cheap. And there's no money to be made in it. But there is a freak load of money to be made in vaccines. Uh, there is a ton of money. Uh, and that's why there were no prophylaxis available for people with COVID to keep them from getting it or fight it when they got it. And a lot of people died because of it. A lot of Americans died because of it. Hence the reason why I call for the uh, uh, essentially Nuremberg trials for the people who put us through COVID. And when I play with you, play for you here in a few uh, audio from a <clears throat> new documentary on hydroxychloroquine and how effective it is, you will not only be shocked, but you'll also go, oh, yeah, Rob said that three years ago. Like the uh, province of Uttar Pradesh in India, which has a larger population than the United States, where they wiped out COVID with hydroxychloroquine. They did. There's no doubt about it. It's true. But 
Andrew Fau- or Anthony Fauci and the powers that be in Washington, D.C. killed tens of thousands of Americans by eliminating that from treatment and telling doctors they couldn't have sovereignty over their own patients. This is all going to hit the fans so bad, so bad and so hard, and people need to go to jail for it. Uh, Tom Basile on Saturday talked to Harriet Hegeman before the Trump rally and talked about the uh, the U.S. government um, uh, getting involved in, and suppressing America's freedom of speech. The DHS worked with 70 other agencies and NGOs to censor conservative speech. This came out last week in testimony on Capitol Hill, and it really happened. Here is Harriet Hegeman uh, talking about something I have have wondered, and now I have had confirmed about the government being involved in shutting down your speech, shredding the First Amendment. Well, I think over the last six months, we have been able to uncover a variety of things, including the back door that the federal government had into the social media companies such as Twitter. When we went through the t- the Twitter files with Matt Taibbi and, and Michael, Schellenberger, Michael Schellenberger, what they described is a situation where there were over 70 agencies, 70 federal agencies that were in direct contact with the social media companies. And whatever kinds of tweets wow. or comments that were wow. uh, disfavored, if you will, they would contact the companies and ask them to censor them. One of the things that's so important about this is that the First Amendment applies to the federal government regardless of whether they use a third party to do their dirty work. So what you have with a Biden administration and the Democrat Party and even the mainstream media attempting to censor conservatives and censor our ability to communicate, uh, it's pretty stunning information. Yeah. Now, remember, I said that if the deep state, Democrat Party, the mainstream media and big social media all say that what you believe is disinformation, it means you know the truth. I have been saying that for a couple of years now. And I've been proven right. I also said about a year ago that there is only one agency with the authority to say whether or not something is disinformation or misinformation, and that is the government. And they can call things disinformation and misinformation even when it's the truth. And I was 1,000% right This is the greatest affront to individual liberty that we have seen since the internment of Japanese Americans by FDR, except for it went after an entire class of people, an entire political movement and belief system. More from Harriet Hageman than the real truth on COVID and ivermectin and the lives lost in this country because of Big Pharma. That's on the way. This is the Rob Carson Show. Driving snowflakes and candy aisle kids crazier every day. It's the Rob Carson Show. I knew there was something wrong years ago, a few years ago, when uh, on October 31st, 2018, I was involved with uh, 29 Facebook pages, 17 million followers, and I I was doing live uh, Facebook broadcasts in 2018, attracting 50,000 views, and I mean, I thought I was doing, I was getting ready to get out of, I was, this was going to pave my way to broadcasting, and I was going to stop selling cars and the whole deal, and all of the pages were blown up by Facebook on that day, along with 811 other conservative sites, and I knew there was something up. 
And then it just cascaded and, uh, you know, being kicked off Twitter, being kicked off t- uh, YouTube, being censored by Facebook, all of these. And I questioned from the beginning, why would they censor ivermectin? Why would they censor hydroxychloroquine? Why would they censor uh, mask uh, uh, efficacy? Why would they censor any, uh, any vaccine injuries? Why would they censor uh, complaining about Black Lives Matter? Why would they censor beliefs that the 2020 election was stolen? Why would they censor when I said Russia collusion didn't happen? It's because every damned federal agency was involved in shutting down free speech. They were, guys. This is the worst thing I've ever heard of as far as the First Amendment of this country. And people ought to be lined up against walls for this crap. Taking the First Amendment, tearing it up and shredding it. It's the only thing that has made us different in world history. That amendment. That amendment changed everything. And for the last seven years or so, in fact, it went back to when Obama was the president. And the IRS went after 501c3s that had the words Tea Party in the name or anything patriotic. They killed the Tea Party movement. That is a restriction of freedom of speech. It started then and it only got worse. That to me is unforgivable. Harriet Hagman talked to Tom Baselli this weekend before the Trump rally, and I, I, I was just, I was taken by the interview. I thought it was wonderful. Harriet Hageman is a, is an outstanding person. I don't know why anybody is not talking about her uh, as a VP on a ticket. She is a freshman lawmaker, but damn. Damn, this woman is good. Here she is talking about the uh, the administration, the mainstream media, and big tech working against Donald Trump. And what we saw when uh, with President Trump, was that so many of the agencies were not carrying out his orders or his agenda. They were continuing with their own. So you ask, well, why didn't Donald Trump do all this? Why didn't Donald Trump take care of this? He had people in government agencies across the board literally scheming against him while he was the president. While he was the president, all of these agencies in the deep state were fighting everything he did, hook, uh, 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 by hook or by crook, by hook or by crook, everything he did was challenged by them under the cover of darkness. And so I do think that you, have, you will see where agencies have worked during the elections, especially to censor any kind of disfavored, uh, any kind of disfavored communication from mm. conservatives. Uh, That's election fraud. That's election interference. Uh, from the center right, if you will. And so, yes, it was yeah. over 70 agencies, the, uh, the the Office of the President of the United States, the Office of the First Lady. Uh, they were trying to get wow. tweets taken down that they disagreed wow. with or that might have been critical hmm. of the Bidens in some way. Yeah, you can't say that uh, Jill Biden is a, isn't a doctor. That'll get you flagged. You'll get that little thing there that says, to find out why this is flagged, here's our truth. Yeah. And before that, you couldn't see the video at all. Now you can. Here is uh, Harriet Hegman uh, talking about holding the censors responsible, which is what we need to do. But I also believe that we have to start holding federal officials and individuals who work for the federal government personally liable and responsible when they engage in conduct that violates our individual civil liberties. Mm. So whether it is an effort to go after the FBI's efforts to go after Catholics for exercising their freedom of religion, or it is the FBI and the DOJ weaponizing our federal agencies to go after parents who are exercising their First Amendment rights at school board meetings. I believe that we need to pass legislation so that when these federal agencies and these individual federal employees engage in unconstitutional conduct, 
they can be held personally liable to the people that they have affected. Absolutely. Uh, this is Elise Stefanik talking to Jonathan Turley about what the FBI uh, did with some of the uh, uh, interference with regard to freedom of speech. For that leading up to the 2020 election, Twitter had weekly meetings with not just the FBI, huh. with DOJ, with DHS, with DNI, huh. to conduct this unconstitutional censorship by surrogate. Weird. We know that because the Twitter files, correct? Correct. Wow. And it was not just meetings, not just censorship of stories like the Hunter Biden laptop story. No. We also now know that the FBI paid Twitter over $3.4 million of taxpayer, taxpayer funds yeah. to censor these stories before the 2020 election. Wow. Is that correct? Uh, that money was paid. Twitter confirmed that. Isn't it true, according to the Twitter files, that there were so many FBI officials who then went to work at Twitter that that created their own Slack channel and crib sheet for onboarding? The Twitter files confirm that, correct? Correct. This is the Bro. definition of election meddling, and it's the definition of election meddling by the FBI on behalf of Democrats paid for by the U.S. taxpayer. And what couldn't you talk about after the 2020 election? that you thought maybe there was something going on with it. And you were right. You were a thousand percent right. But it was worse than you ever, 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 ever imagined. Hey, let's go to Alex in Brooklyn. Alex, how you doing, my friend? Welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, yes, sir. I just wanted to say I think that on this July 4th, what you know Americans should think about is to move away from their emotions, specifically Democrats, where they're all dramatically driven people and they go with their emotions, and they need to stop looking at the negatives and you know exaggerating the negatives in this country and you know and just think about the numbers and the facts comparing the United States to all the other countries in the world, and they'll see that it's positive and that things are actually very good in this country. Country compared to other countries across the world and you know and if they think about the reality of, of just looking at democrats versus republicans and what republicans have given you in terms of economic uh, stability and and other things that are factual reality stuff not just emotional you know word crap and and i think that you know that way they'll walk away with a positive vibe about this country and that would be a way to move in the right direction if people would just move away from their emotions and think logically with a straight mind We're asking liberals to do that and i don't think that's possible votes <laughs> uh, one day of the year, the July fourth. Yeah. Maybe they, you know, if they're listening to you, show you got a lot of people on board for more. You know that yeah. are Democrats, and I just suggest that they do this for like even two hours to think about the facts and put them together and see what it totals to, and and they'll they'll have a change of heart. I think if they if they're willing to take that hour. Hey, Alex, I appreciate it. Uh, who you got with you? You got a you got a little one there. Yeah, running around. Yeah. Is that a is that a, a, a son or daughter or what? No, it's a, a, a brother. Whatever. I'm by my parents now. <laughs> I've been taken to the. <laughs> All right, Alex. You have a glorious day, bro. Have a, have a wonderful, yeah, wonderful day. Wonderful day. <sighs> Americans still love America. Uh, we focus too much on the one person kneeling who's spoiled, entitled child reading bumper stickers and supporting a uh, morally and intellectually bankrupt organization called Black Lives Matter and didn't focus on the 65,000 people who were standing. We have for decades stood when the national anthem played. Whitney Houston sang it and we wept. We didn't think, oh, Whitney Houston's a black woman. She's, uh, you know, descended of slaves. She shouldn't be proud of America. 
No, we just remembered Whitney Houston singing the national anthem and, and crying, and we wept, and there was nothing wrong with it. And there were people standing there in the middle of the stadium, both black and white, wearing military uniforms who would have died for one another in combat and never even thought about it twice, holding that flag. And the left decided to uh, completely assault every one of our beliefs about everything, uh, including that children are sacred and children are innocent. And the country is, uh, was, was, uh, was founded on, on sound principles, and we worked to become a more perfect union. And we became the greatest uh, engine of individual and economic his- uh, uh, freedom in the history of mankind. There's just no doubt about it, man. There's no doubt about it. London existed for a thousand years. Before the American, uh, before we were founded, they were still crapping in the street in London. They were still hauling away dead bodies in carts with a bubonic plague in the year 1200. You know, honestly. They had everything. Society had everything it needed. All of the natural resources it needed to compel the, the world forward in history technologically. But it took the United States of America to really blow the lid off of it because it was the first time in history people have been told you can assemble with one another, you can practice your religion freely, and you can speak freely. And you can uh, enjoy life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, London didn't have it. Paris didn't have it. Beijing didn't have it. We did. And we ushered in this incredible, exponential Growth in knowledge unprecedented in world history by far. Every day you need to look down at that little $1,200 phone that you, you use to, you know, to play stupid games on and, and uh, you know, update your social media profile with a picture of food. Don't worry, I do that too. But you have the Library of Alexandria times 10,000 at your fingertips. We live in extraordinary times. And if you think that that this phone would have been created uh, when uh, when uh, the Soviet Union was around in so, in the Soviet Union, you're high. If you think this could ever come from North Korea, you're out of your nut. And the only reason China is able to compete is because they steal all of our intellectual property. The Chinese don't know anything. I'm not saying Chinese people in general. I'm talking about the Chinese Communist Party and the people in charge. They rely on spying and stealing. They're not innovative. That's the way socialists and communists are. They steal and take credit for it. Then decided what you can keep. Let's go to Roger in Hutchinson, Kansas. Hello, Roger. Welcome to the Rob Carson well, Show. What's on your mind? Well, Rob, I tell you, the first thing that's on my mind is I'm going to celebrate the 247th day. Nope. 248th, pardon me, Independence Day. Yes, sir. And most people would say 247, but I always celebrate the first one, the first, the day they declared it. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, and that's the other thing is, doggone it, I am so tired about hearing about our democracy, and because we're a constitutional republic. Yes, we are. We are a representative republic. That's the way it is. We are not a democracy. Yep. Democracy is not a good thing, believe it or not. Pure democracy is not a good thing. <laughs> and that's and that's why I apologize. I, I oh, yeah. slipped past my first point. I don't celebrate the 4th of July. I happen to celebrate, like I said, Independence Day, which once again, after all these years, falls on the 4th of July. It was the Independence yeah. Day that was great. 
And when you change it to the 4th of July, well, that's easy to say, well, it's just the 4th of July. No, it's the day the founder said, in your eye there, Britain, you may be the greatest army in the world, but we're not going to live under your rule anymore. Yeah, and the citizen soldier... Uh, yep. Fought back Ooh. against an oppressive government. Absolutely, and you know, Roger, yeah. I always kind of, I kind of find it yeah. funny. You know, the the founding of the country, we were citizen soldiers who armed ourselves to take on the most powerful military and oppressive government, and and yet yeah. Democrats feel that they say that the First Amendment was created after we fought back with our own weapons and beat this oppressive government to create a new government. The Democrats say we created the Second Amendment to go turkey hunting and target target practicing, and I think it's so stupid. <laughs> it's, it's it's obvious why the Second Amendment is important because we proved it with the founding. So there you go. <laughs> yes, we did, and I'm going to take a little bit of a little extra pride for being a National Guardsman when I finish my career. Are you? Yeah, I was active duty Army for a lot of years, and 33 well, 33 years later, when I got out, I was National Guard, and you know, the Guard predates the United States. Very good. The first guard, the guard started in 1636. Yeah. When the well, citizen soldiers, the men yes. men, were called out. And so we're actually, 1636 is our birthday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyway, citizen sir, soldiers, baby. enjoying myself. All right, brother. I'm Have a glorious. i listening to you. Thank you. Well, hey, man, you enjoy hey. the weekend, and thanks for your service, bro. I appreciate it. And everybody appreciates Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right, all right. Day. Hey, let's take it back. Uh, take it back. Let's come back for the last break of the show. This is the Rob Carson Show. Back in a few. To all the Brandons out there, we salute you and say, let's go, Brandon. It's the Rob Carson Show. We, of course, are on the eve of uh, January, or July the 4th. July the 4th. And um, I uh, I know it's, um, we always, you know, we, we enjoy cookouts. We enjoy all this. And, and there are so many people who, uh, who don't or never will. Uh, and many of them um, uh, left the earth in service of our country at a very young age. They died on battlefields around the world in places like Afghanistan and Iraq and uh, in France and Germany. And I can go on and on. And, and uh, you know, I, I believe this, this July 4th is a different sort of Independence Day. It's uh, the moment that we started fighting back. I believe. I really do. I, I believe it's the, the, the time that we start fighting back against the onslaught that has been the radical left for the last three years, calling into question everything that we hold sacred, and we still hold them sacred no matter how hard they try. No matter how hard they try. In my neighborhood, we're going to get together, and there are going to be black people and white people and Asian people and Hindu people and people wearing hijabs and all sorts. We don't even care. We're all Americans. I want to play this because um, this is kind of a metaphor for America and what we're fighting. Um, uh, earlier this year, uh, Donald Trump read the Pledge of Allegiance, and they put it with the January the 6th protesters in jail now for many over 800 days without even a trial for being let into the, uh, the uh, U.S. Capitol on January the 6th. Uh, are there people who deserve to be in jail? Yes. Are there people who do not de- deserve to be in jail and are political prisoners? Oh, hell yes. This little recording went to number one on all the charts. And a country that does this to its citizenry needs to be returned to its founding, no matter what. So I will leave you with this. Oh, take and you 
between the six prisoners right there. Every I night pledge night. allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. to the republic for which it stands one nation under god Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Those are prisoners. Those are American political prisoners every night at 9 o'clock, despite all of the uh, suffering that they've incurred. They say that pledge. And they don't say, I'm a trans, I'm black, I'm white, I'm yellow, I'm purple, America sucks, none of that. So, on that note, I say, yeah, we're going to wrap things up for this day. Make sure to check out Newsmax all day today because they have lots of great programming and enjoy the time with your family. Back to wrap things up in just a second. This is The Rob Carson Show. All right, guys, have a glorious day and 4th of July. God bless you and God bless America, and I will see you Wednesday. In the meantime, don't catch the stupid. Bye.